Hallelujah. Now, Revelation chapter 7, 13, 14. Another group of citizens. Then one of the elders said to me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them clean in the blood of the Lamb that was slain at Calvary. Hallelujah. Can we move on? Another group of citizens. Revelation chapter 4, verse 4. Revelation 4, 4. This is what he says. Say, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in fine linen, bright and clean, was given them to wear. Dressed in white. Hey! Hey! This is mighty. Now we can just go and prepare the gravity. Now you find out all citizens of heaven. That's why I said the dressing code of heaven. When I started, I said this is the garment of heaven. Because you saw that when they wore it, they entered. Meaning, without it, nobody can enter. Please prepare. Revelation 15 verse 6. Another group. 15 verse 6. Then he says, Out of the temple came seven angels with seven plagues. They were dressed in clean and shiny linen. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given them to wear. Hallelujah. Now, have you seen the gravity of the fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear? Now you know that when you showed me those two wedding rings, announcing that event, that day, and then the scripture that lines up with that vision, saying, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Now you understand that that was a deep conversation. It was so deep. There was so much that was said. If you are mistaken, you would have read it quickly and walked out. Oh, you would have lost so much. Now we have understood it was a statement of gravity. In fact, it was as though he was saying, this is the benchmark. I'm saying the irreducible minimum. And now look at this now. Matthew 22, 1 to 14, we are not reading. But I'm going to talk about it. I need to begin from verse 11 up to 13. Matthew 22, 1 to 14. But I'm going to read only from verse 11. And it will be suffice. It will be sufficient to explain this. Now, look at this now. Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14 talk about the entry of the church. And then he emphasizes the garment, this garment. But there's something I want to bring to your attention in verses 11 to 14. You can read the rest, by the way. Because actually, I have seen the fulfillment of some of this scripture here. That sometimes when he sends me to some people, okay, now it's different. Because now they have seen the power, they have seen the glory. It's like every country is aware now. But I'm saying earlier, sometimes they rejected. No, 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 the pastor said he was busy. No, on this day we have a wedding. I have seen stuff. So you find half the church was in attendance. Then I said, even if I find only five or two, I will announce to them the coming of the Messiah. Hallelujah. Okay, now it's different because they have seen the glory, they have seen everything. Now the meetings are bigger. But I'm saying, sometimes the church is too busy in her own agenda. What you are going to read from Matthew 22, 1 to 14 is going to surprise you. 
that those who were supposed to enter, for whom the banquet is prepared, did not go. They were busy with the programs of church and the world. But however, for the purposes of the garment I'm talking about, I want to read from 11 to 13. Look at what it says, 11 to 13. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Mkwano gwange, rafiki in Hebrew, haver sheli in French, bonami, amigo mio in Spanish. He calls him friend. Again, look at this now. He says, when they were assembled in some lounge before entry at the gate, now you are going to see the significance of the garment. Then the father came to check those that had gathered who were about to enter. Then, look at this. He noticed a man there who was not wearing the fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Not wearing. And look at the way he engages with him. They know each other. The way he engages with him, they know each other. They were friends. Say, oh, friend. Friend. You see, when they came to the Lord, to arrest the Lord, I think he used the word friend also. Yeah, because they knew each other. But look at this now. Friend, why did you come in here? How did you come in here? Which gate? Which door? How did you come in here without wedding clothes? They were at the gate. That was a place where they gathered. No wonder I've been shouting, fine linen, bright and clean. Fine linen, bright and clean was given out to wear. Fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Fine linen is the garment of heaven. Now you can see at the gate. Look at what happens to him. Verse 13. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot. Throw him out into the darkness where there is the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but a few are what? Chosen. No wonder at the gate, the garment. Hey, at the gate, the Lord is now vetting people. Uh, oh yes, for you enter please. Oh, welcome to the kingdom. How about you? Say, friend, how did you come in here without garment? At the gate. You don't understand me. At the gate. Then at the gate, he divides the whole human race into two groups. Those with garment and those without. Did you understand me? I, I have labored on the garment. May the church be found wearing the garment on that day. And remember, I have seen the stains of the garment. We are going to share that later. I've seen the stains of the garment of the church. And the main, main thing they have there is this love of money. Inside the church, the gospel of prosperity is tied to it. And that love of money has actually released numbness to sin. So now they don't sense sin so much because of that. That is what the devil does. Immorality now becomes the order of the day. All of a sudden, the pastor that was preaching righteousness, righteousness. Two years later, the tongue has changed. God loves a cheerful giver now. Now the widows have no place in the church. I have seen the stains on the garment. And the Lord will minister to you on them. And I now share a little bit deeper when I talk about his visitation. Who is this that's visiting the church? Hallelujah. However, to finish this, 
I would not be complete until I look at another garment. And I kept saying that you can never understand the gravity of the garment, the requirement of it, and how the different citizenry, citizens wear it until we look at another garment. I want to look at another garment. Hallelujah. Now we have seen the finding and bright and clean. Hallelujah. Now I want to look at another garment. The book of Revelation 17 verses 1 to 4. Another garment that we may appreciate this garment. Revelation 17 1 to 4. He says, the woman on the beast, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowels came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. There is another garment. Purple and scarlet. Fine linen, bright and clean, white and clean was given to the church. But there is another garment. And I submit to you today that look, there are only two garments. Let us now be careful and very, very precise and strict and straight with the church, there are only two garments. Either the fine linen, bright and clean, or the garment of hollow tree. The garment of hollow tree. In Swahili, umalaya. Hallelujah. So there you go now. Now you can choose which one you want to wear. But there is one more scripture. Revelation 18.16 talks about the same garment. Now you see that it's also a fine linen. Revelation 18.16 and he says, and cry out, Woe, woe, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. It is also a fine linen. It is also a fine linen. The garment of prostitution, the garment of hollow tree, the garment that the woman, the hallowed, on the beast with seven heads is wearing blasphemous names in the cup full of the filth of abominations and adulteries. So be careful. Be careful. There are only two garments. Either you are wearing the fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear, or the garment of hollow tree, fine linen, purple, and scarlet. Hallelujah. The Lord is speaking to the church at this hour. And he's speaking about righteousness and the glorious kingdom of the Messiah in these days. And uh, 
the Lord is establishing righteousness in the church. He has decided that this is the hour of righteousness in the house. And so there is a big shifting and the changing of the dynamic of the gospel in the church. And now he is centering righteousness at the very center of the pulpit that the instruction for the hour may reach the congregations that they may prepare for the glorious coming of the Messiah. This most awaited day, a day that uh, many, many nations, many people have waited for. And uh, in that centering of righteousness in the church, he actually is also pointing out where things went wrong. He's pointing out on the apostasy that is in the house. He's showing the church the things that need to be restored. That when that day comes, she may be found right. What a blessed moment for the Lord to remember us at this time. To speak to us. To direct us. To give us counsel and leadership. That we may be right, not be put to shame. The Lord is saying that the authority of Christian salvation is actually righteousness. And he said that to be called a pastor, you must preach righteousness at this hour. The day and the hour is not known, but we can be given the opportunity to prepare and enter the kingdom of God. Amen. The Lord is now speaking with the church directly, showing the two spiritual wedding rings in the sky, an open conversation, a direct talk, that is a talk between God the Father and the church, because only He knows the day or the hour, and it's a blessing that He can speak to the church directly. Amen. Now, we are going to start a session now, in which I'm going to describe the coming of the Messiah, what the Lord has revealed to me, and then we are going to navigate from that point on what is the message that the Lord is giving to the church. I'm going to start by describing this conversation with the church, and then I'll be able to walk you from that point on. Now, that was May 4th, 2014, and I remember it was during the day when all of a sudden I fell asleep, and then in that sleep, the Lord came to speak with me. And when he came to speak with me, he made me look up into the sky. And when I was looking up into the sky, I saw the sun, because I could see the rays, it was so bright, and I could see the rays coming down. So I was looking at what I thought was the sun. And I was amazed at the rays, how the rays were coming from there to the horizon of the earth, like that. So when you look at the whole pattern, it looked more like it formed a dome, a dome, like a dome of rays from there to there to there. I was under a dome of rays. That's what it looked like. And then, very bright, and rays going to the ends of the horizon of the earth, like that. So, but it looked like a very beautiful pattern, a dome above me here. And I thought this was the sun. So, only after a short while, then the voice spoke. And he said, 
look, the Messiah is coming. But he made me know, in that look, the Messiah is coming. He made me know, as you know, there's a lot of messages deposits in the heart. Again, look, the Messiah is coming. But he made me know that, and the church out there is not ready. So that part was also downloaded. And the church out there is not ready. Look, the Messiah is coming, and the church out there is not ready. And then I remember that I turned left. When I turned left, on my left, in that conversation there, when I turned left, then I saw from the ends of the horizon of the earth, best described, like when you're standing in front of a lake or an ocean, and it's evening, and there's going to be a storm on the other side, either lake or just the land also. But sometimes when it's coming dark, it's becoming dark, night is falling, and then there is going to be a storm on the other side, a rainstorm. Again, so when I turned left, facing that direction, like towards the end, the other end of the horizon, or best described if you have an ocean or a lake, the other side, and there's going to be a storm, and it's dark, the night has come, then sometimes you see that kind of thing, some light on the side, like that. So that's what I saw on that side. Again, when I turned left, the dome, he has spoken, look, the Messiah is coming, but the church out there is not ready. So when I turned left, then that side, at the end there. The next thing I realized, I was on the ground, on the soil, on the dust, and rolling on the soil. I'm going to describe here what I did in the dream. I was rolling down the I was rolling on the dust on the soil gnashing my teeth and weeping like that it was bad rolling on the soil like that and gnashing my teeth to the extent that when I woke up, the first thing I did is go to the mirror because I thought I'd crush my teeth. And then I woke up. So this is the conversation I want to share with you. When again, I thought it's the sun. Rays and beautiful pattern. Listen, the sun, too bright, I cannot look at it. But the rays, very beautiful pattern. Coming to the end of the horizon. Beautiful, like a dome. Then all of a sudden, he says, look, the Messiah is coming. But the church out there, you met me know the church out there is not ready. And then to turn left, like the end of the horizon, that is best described if you talked about a lake or an ocean on the other side. And then the next thing I realized on the soil, on the ground dust, soil, rolling and gnashing my teeth and groaning and weeping uncontrollably to the extent that when I woke up, the first thing I went was to the mirror to check my teeth. So, I want to share that, and then share another conversation, put them together, and then talk about the coming of the Messiah. It amazed me when I woke up, amazed me very much, because then I realized that surely, 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 the Bible is the only book on the earth that will be fulfilled to the letter. Because in the Bible, he says, 
It will happen in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, so that tapia, the tapia, like the eye does that. I now understood. However, he made me know how the church that will be left behind will feel. That is the rolling around in the dust and gnashing of teeth. Like all prophecies I have given that have been fulfilled, this prophecy must be fulfilled. I have seen that day. I have seen that day. I have seen the church do that. So it will take place. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, this is what we are confronted with. That the truth is, there is a church that must remain, will remain. And I have already felt, and you know, many times when the Lord sends me to give the prophecies, I have already lived the day, even if it's an earthquake. And so you know how the Lord speaks to this servant. He takes him in the future, so you live that day. So that when I come, I can now describe to you the fine detail. So, prophecy is the detail. And that's why many times, when I give prophecy, then you hear CNN, BBC repeating my words. The exact words. It is in the detail. And so, I have already lived that day. And it makes me feel how the church will feel on that day. The church that remains. Now, one time again, the Lord came to speak with me about the coming of the Messiah. And in that conversation, on the coming of the Messiah, this is what happened. The Lord lifted me up above the earth, and then from where I was, I could see the earth. I was able to see the earth. And then, I saw what looked like a tremendous earthquake hit the earth. Why? Because I saw it was as though the soil surface was shaking and the rocks jumping and the dust coming forth also. Then, in my estimation, I said, wow, what a tremendous earthquake that has hit the earth. From where he had lifted me up, I could see like a tremendous earthquake has hit the earth. Because the surface was shaking and rocks jumping and dust, dust coming off the ground, the surface of the earth. So I said, wow, that must be a terrible earthquake that has hit the earth. Now, only a little while later, and then I realized this is not an earthquake. Because I realized that right up here was the tremendous glory of the Lord. And it was actually the glory that had hit the surface of the earth. Because as that glory hit, now he allowed me see inside the glory and that shaking and that dust that was coming up. Then I saw people in their glorious bodies. I saw them inside. They were coming out of their tombs, of the surface of the earth. But as they were coming out of their tombs, of the surface of the earth, at first, as they came out, the glory and the dust were mixed together. I could see. It was the glory and the dust. But they were coming out. And as they came out, the more they went towards the Lord, the more they went into the pure glory of the Lord. Until I saw 
pure glory. They went all the way, all the way, all the way, and then a cloud covered them in. And then the voice spoke. And the voice said, And the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. Again, then the voice now spoke. He said, And the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. Hallelujah. And I think again, that's where the message is. Why the majority have remained? Are you telling me the remnant taken? Okay, I know a little bit more detail, which I don't share. I have much more detail of this conversation. I know very much detail, serious detail of what will happen on that day. And some things that I have not shared ever about uh, numbers, numbers. So I know so much. He reveals everything to his servant. Everything, really. Everything. I know a bit about numbers. So it's unbelievable. So that's why whatever I say here, let us listen. So I think the key is in the voice that said in the majority of... Because remember the first one, the rolling, the remaining. The warning is there, the remaining. And then the second one also, now you can see the remaining. The voice says, and the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. So I want to focus a little bit in the remaining. Hallelujah. We are going to look at the whole coming of the Messiah, the dynamic of it, the whole mechanism that he's showing me here, and then the message now. Hallelujah. And so, remaining, he said, and the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. So now, I want also to share the following, that uh, as the Lord took the church, I said I have so much detail, some of which he has not allowed me to share, but uh, there's some that I share. Like, for example, when they are all taken from the different parts of the earth, they don't go up like this. Not at all. They are all gathered and they are taken to one particular corner of the earth. That's where they are attracted to. Where there is an open portal. That's where they enter from. So there's a lot more detail. So, what is the message to the church of Christ when the Lord Jehovah he showed me these two tremendous conversations on the taking of the church. What is the engagement? What is he telling the church at this hour when he showed me how he's coming to take and emphasized on the remaining? Hallelujah. So now, the Bible, like we saw, promises that the Messiah would come back. We read the scriptures, Revelation 16, 15, Revelation 1, 7, and many other scriptures to come. For example, John 14, 1 to 3 also says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he talks about going to the Father's place. And he said, when I go there, that means I will be back. I will come back and take you. I go to prepare a place. I come back, take you, that you may be there with me. So you really understand he's promising that he will come back. The Bible promises the Messiah would come back. Now look at this now. In my calling, when the Lord was calling me, in one of the major encounters, this is what the Lord did. He took me before the throne room in heaven. And when I was standing there, there is a golden walkway that leads to the throne position. Let me share now the secrets of heaven. There is a golden walkway that leads to the throne position. And that walkway has two strips on both sides. So there is gold. It's a rich, in fact, I even see it now. It's a rich yellowish gold 
but there is richer reddish brown gold on the two strips the two sides so it is rich yellowish gold and then a strip of reddish brown a strip of reddish brown and he that took me there that was talking with me describing these things then he asked me to kneel down and pray so i found myself kneeling on the golden walkway and for some reason this is the prayer i said i said that father today i come to you with a lot of praise and thanksgiving in the mighty name of jesus and when i just finished that then it's amazing the two cherubim of glory hallelujah came on that golden walkway the golden path it's a beautiful walkway made towards the throne position so now towards the throne position they came and they were carrying the ark of god the two cherubim of glory were carrying the ark of god and i'm going to describe a little bit here and as they were carrying the ark of god the ark of the new covenant of the lord look at what they did they were walking on the golden walkway with their heads bowed down holding the ark heads bowed down and walking sideways again they were walking on the golden walkway carrying the ark of the new covenant of the lord their heads bowed down but walking sideways like this and so i remember i asked he that was showing me around and speaking with me i asked him i asked why do they walk like this and he said because this place is the most holy place in heaven hallelujah yeah, it's time for the church to mature so because this place is the most holy place in heaven now listen the two cherubim may look the same but i also want you to know that they have two different functions that i was able to see there so now when they reached at the throne position then they placed the ark of the new covenant of the lord at the throne position then after that as i'm facing the ark of the new covenant of the lord the cherubim on this side he crosses the front and he peels off the surface there is a strip he peels off from the ark of the new covenant of the lord and there is a scripture written there which i have never preached for all these years the lord asked me to keep it to me there is a scripture written on the chest there again the two cherubim have different functions it is this one here he comes and then he peels and then they go to the back and then bow again and behind there is the river of life i see the tree of life both sides there's so much there behind the throne room hallelujah now at that place then when i looked in front looked at the ark then i realized that all of a sudden on this side of the mercy seat was seated moses the man of god 
On this side is Moses, the man of God. Next to the ark, the mercy seat, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. His garment has larger blue stripes. White, but larger blue stripes. Larger. Going down, larger. And next to Moses is seated Elijah, the mighty prophet of the Lord. Next to him here. Next to Moses is seated on the same side. Elijah, the mighty, mighty prophet of the Lord, is sitting here. But on this side alone is seated Daniel, the terrible prophet of Jehovah, alone. Now, these, the two, Moses, Elijah, and Daniel alone. And then, the glory, this same cloud, this one here, comes along the walkway and comes and comes the mercy seat like that and sits on the mercy seat this same cloud this one here this same cloud comes now again on that golden walkway when that comes the mercy And again, from that point on, something happens here that I have never shared and probably will never share until the Lord comes. But what I can share is what he says by voice from there. Then he says, now I have my four prophets here and you are the fourth prophet. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you are the fourth prophet. And then he said, and power has been given to you. Listen to this now. And I remember my bed physically, physical, physically shook like this, physical shaking. Physically shook. And I woke up, <gasps> I woke up like that. And when I woke up, I remember from that day on, I began to know everything that is coming. But I did not understand Power has been given to you. What is this? What's the meaning of that? Power for what? You understand? Only later understood. His power for his work. You see that? But listen to this now. Ever since then, the things about these three prophets have been happening to me. These three. And then he began to show me all the dreams and visions of Daniel also. So many. It shows me so many. That Daniel saw. When I went to the Bible. I found out. That Daniel had also seen. This resurrection of the people from the dust of the earth. I want to build that background. Then bring it to the conversation today. So this resurrection of the asleep, as you're going to see, the dead church. Daniel had seen it. And whenever the Lord speaks, the Bible, the Bible is a reference to the extent that when you go to the Bible, then you get the message that the Lord is saying. So look at this now. When the Lord showed me this, and the taking away of the church, one corner of the earth, where there is a portal, and then the cloud covered them with the Lord in there. Then the voice said, and the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. 
When I went to the Bible, I found that Daniel had seen this. This was actually, he was showing me what Daniel had seen. And when Daniel saw this conversation here, Daniel saw the gravity and the significance and the importance, how critical this conversation was. Then he recorded it in Daniel chapter 12. Hallelujah. So let's go to Daniel chapter 12, precious people, and find out what message the Lord is bringing to the church. Daniel chapter 12. So now you understand why he showed me all the dreams of Daniel. It's amazing. Now I can read Daniel chapter 12. We're reading verses 1 to 4. Hallelujah. He says, At that time, Michael the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, that's now the second time he's mentioned your people. Your people, your people. He says, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name will be found written in the book, will be delivered. And then verse 2, he says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Now you see, it's as though in what he saw that he was recording down, he was developing a chronology. You almost see a timeline, a prophetic timeline actually. You see him describe the humongous distress and then you see him now come to describe the multitude that sleep in the dust of the earth. Then he sees them awake now. This conversation that I shared with you here. He sees them awake. Again, let me repeat that. He says, verse 2, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Then verse 3 says, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many into righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Hallelujah. So this is what he says at this moment. So I want to bring it out now. Because he has spoken. Again, he speaks. And then now, we want to know what is the instruction then? What is the revelation? What is the instruction to the church? Now, when Daniel sees this conversation here, Daniel, again, like I said, in his narrative, you almost see he's drawing a prophetic timeline of events. But now I want to come to the most important part. The verse 2 and verse 3. Where Daniel now sees the dead church. The church that is dead awakes. They wake up. And then in the process, Daniel, in the way the Lord showed it to him, he sees an event that is actually two events. It's actually two events. That's why when the Lord speaks with you, the calling of this kind of calling is on the knees. You are always praying. You must always be on your knees on a daily basis many times. Because you want to know more. Because he is no man that he may speak like man. So you want always to kneel down and ask, Lord, can you show me more? So I can tell them. Because it's your desire to serve him right, right? And he's always willing. He's always willing. So, there you go. Again, can I describe this? Daniel sees 
the resurrection of the dead. The dead resurrected. But when Daniel sees the resurrection of the dead, the two resurrections appear as if they are one. We read it again. Verse 2. Multitude who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So look at this now. It's as though Daniel sees the two resurrections happen at the same time. As if the resurrection takes place for those going there and those going here. So he describes it that way. Let's make sure we understand this. But let me pull it one notch higher now. However, when the Messiah is about to come, then now the Lord shows me only those resurrected for here, for going to heaven. And then the voice now accounts for the second resurrection. The voice accounts for it. He now says, and the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. Then he accounts for it. So Daniel, that's why I'm saying, for example, I can give you another example. When the Lord speaks with you in this form, you have to be very careful. For example, when the Lord actually showed me the bloodshed, the prophecy, that 29th of July, 2009, the bloodshed that was coming to the Arab world, all this, that dream had two parts. Two parts. The other part is where I saw the church now standing before the throne. For the first time, the church is inside heaven now I see. For the first time, I see the church inside heaven. So, there is a lot of responsibility when the Lord speaks to you about these things. It's a huge responsibility. He gives you custodianship. Of course, he will give you wisdom to navigate. But still, it does not negate the responsibility. Still, you have to observe serious responsibility. Because you want to make sure everything is right. You know, this is the Lord now. You want to be careful about this. Look at this now. You can imagine the difficulty I had in doing a prophetic timeline with those two different dreams. So, as in, where do I put which one? Which one do I put first? In other words, because once I arrange them, I'm going to go on air and announce. And then I'm going to go all over the world and announce. And because people know that the Lord speaks with this man, so they are going to take that. You understand? That is where the responsibility is. Now, I worried. I worried myself. I said, is it the bloodshed is going to come first before the church appears? Or is it the church is going to appear first and then the bloodshed? Hallelujah. Because I did not want to make an error. Because if you tell them that, wow, I have seen the bloodshed is coming first and then the Lord will come. They will wait for the bloodshed. Do you understand me now? The responsibility I'm talking about. You have to be very responsible even with the message that I'm giving you now to carry. This message calls for serious responsibility. Because I'm saying, I wondered, when I woke up, I wondered, which one should I say is going to come first? Should I say that the bloodshed all the way from Egypt to Libya to Syria to Iraq, all these ISIS and name it, do I say that it's going to come first and then the church will enter to appear? If I say so, people will wait. That means they may not prepare that first. Did you understand? And my Messiah, my Lord, will have lost. Let me just share with you some of the things I go through. Oh yes. It's big responsibility to carry this. Even you that you carry it, you must have the responsibility. So, 
Because I know I will announce. Whatever he tells me is not mine. I'm just a vessel, right? For transmittance. But responsibility. How do you transmit it? You can mislead. You can cause people to say, no. But the man of God said blood will come first. So let's wait for the blood. And then, how about if he comes? How about if he comes before the blood? The day and the hour is not known. Nobody knows except the father that's speaking with me. Hallelujah. So, this is the responsibility I'm talking about. You cannot do things haphazardly the way the church does. No. Now, this calling is on your knees. Now, you have to really be tightly knit with the Lord. You really have to walk with him to get things right. So, listen to this now. Another one is this. 2004. When he took me before the throne, then he presents John the Baptist here. On my right hand side. In front of the throne. The glory covers the throne like a mountain. And then, after the conversation with John, and he makes me know that he that sits on the throne is seated and is following very carefully this conversation. Very, very carefully. In fact, very carefully following. Listen to this now. Now, as John appears here, and of course he first walks, there's a whole narrative, it's on the web. He first walks, and then he walks back, and then he engages me. But he makes me know that he that sits is following this. Now look at this now. As that happens, of course he talks to me about, go and tell them, go to the nations, tell them that the Lamb of God that died for the sins is now coming back. And there's a whole situation there. However, listen to this now. Then the voice says, let me show you what's about to happen to the earth. Then he lifts me and takes me straight to Jerusalem. And reaching Jerusalem, of course the first thing I see was the death of Arafat. That was before he died. I see the tomb, so because I was above, so I could see the homes, the homes in the Arab world, and I could hear, <laughs> so I could hear the morning already. I see the big, fresh tomb. So I saw the death of Arafat at that time, before he died. I gave that prophecy quite a bit in the Western Hemisphere. But now, but, then, I see Jerusalem. And the voice says, yes, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. Then I see two changes of leadership in Jerusalem. I see the first change. Then I see the second change. But when I see the second change, because I could see now the second change of leadership, I could see them, the way the Lord presents them. After that, when the second change of leadership takes place, it's amazing because then it takes me across the capitals of the world. Ottawa, Helsinki, London, Paris, where? Everywhere. And I see that the entire world is very worried. How will we engage with them on the peace of Palestine? Because it's a right-wing government. I see that very, very far. The exact date is 2nd of April, 2004. And then, I see that that second change is called Benjamin Netanyahu. So that prophecy I gave very long time ago. I said it will be Benjamin Netanyahu. When I was in Israel, he was prime minister there. Of course I was there during Isaac Rabin and so forth. But he was prime minister there. Now I see Benjamin Netanyahu coming back. So, I begin to give the prophecy. But look at this now. 
when I see the second change, right-wing government, the global capitals are worried. How will we engage with them on the peace of Palestine? Then he lifts me up and brings me back to the same place. I find I'm standing again the same place facing the throne and John was still here after seeing coming back. Of course, there's another thing I see. I see aircrafts and I see inside there. Okay, what he does with me, he puts some Christians there. So I'm able to know these are Christians. I see aircrafts going to Tel Aviv, to Jerusalem. And then I began to say, oh, a lot of, that's the problem. A lot of Christians, soon they will head to Jerusalem and so forth. Now, still standing here, Benjamin Netanyahu has taken place. The second change. Look at this now. And then all of a sudden, my raiment, beginning with John's raiment, becomes transfigured. He becomes transfigured in front of me. And when I check my raiment, I find that mine has also been transfigured. In fact, to the extent that if somebody touched with a pen, I could see the dot. That's the level. And then it was so holy. Even the sound of holy, I could hear. Almost something like the sound of the glory in front of the throne. Listen to this now. And then after that, John raises his right hand towards the glory. The mountain of glory covers the throne. John does this. Behold the Lamb of God. And there was a little ridge there. So there's so much to this. I'm just giving summaries. So there was a little ridge there. And then, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, then the Lamb of God came out of the glory. And he came all the way. And when he came all the way, everything became more glorious. Coming now, the ridge disappeared. Let me not share beyond that. There's a point beyond which I don't share. So now, the second change takes place in Jerusalem. And I know it's Benjamin Netanyahu. I've seen from very far. I begin to give the prophecy. Of course, Arafat's tomb comes first. And then I see that. And then, back here, Raymond transfigured. The lamb comes. How do you position them? How do you position them and go give the prophecy? You can tell that's the prophetic timeline right there. He has revealed. But how do you, do you understand the responsibility I'm talking about? How do you position them and go announce to the world? Because you have to go. You are the one who has been given this. You must go. But how do you position them with responsibility? Tell me. Do you tell them to wait for Benjamin Netanyahu to, to prepare the raiment that is glorious? You understand the message here, right? The raiment is prepared. You understand, precious people, what he's trying to say here. That after the second change, the raiment is transfigured. That's essentially the preparing of the garment. You understand? So how do you position them? Do you say, precious people, okay, wait first. Once Benjamin Netanyahu took takes place, and look at this now, and John was standing here, then he did this, behold the lamp. Do you tell them that wait for Benjamin Netanyahu too, and then the lamp will come? You cannot. That's the responsibility I'm talking about. You cannot. You'll be very wise. He has to help you. Otherwise you mislead. And the Messiah suffers. That's what I wanted to emphasize there. I've run into similar situations. Where you have to be very careful. He has to help you deliver. I just give as I saw. But don't rank it. Don't tell them to wait for Benjamin Netanyahu too. Because it would appear more that wait for Benjamin Netanyahu too. When it happens, then the Messiah comes. You see that? 
maybe that is true. Maybe that is not. Now we have even known it is Benjamin Netanyahu two of two. You understand? The way it has happened. That has also surprised me. More, more, more. Maybe because the man of God went around calling his name all over the earth. Hallelujah. How awesome. So listen to this now. That is the same thing here. Because here you can see and those things took place. Israel was celebrating is it the 50th anniversary. Then a lot of flights with a lot of Christians were rushing there. So that happened. It's in the book of Isaiah 60 verse 8. Where Isaiah asked, who are these like doves in their nests? That is, he knew these were not Jews. Dove, dove, Holy Spirit, doves, Christians. There's a whole narrative on that. But I'm saying these things were fulfilled. And then, happened, happened, happened. Benjamin Netanyahu appeared. A Victor Lieberman, Minister of Foreign Affairs, cannot negotiate. Did you understand how it happened? Right happening in my eyes. Now, same thing here. He's saying, Daniel, he sees the two like one, the two resurrections. He says, some resurrected for eternal life, others resurrected for damnation. For me, when the coming of the Messiah is near, now he shows me only those who are resurrected to enter the kingdom of God. Then the voice accounts for the other resurrection. He says, and the majority of them have remained in the dust of the earth. So Daniel sees the two as though one. But the two are spaced, by the way. They are spaced by 1,007 years. End and seven years. However, the message to the church of Christ, to the pastors, is this now. When Daniel sees the resurrection, he sees two groups. One group for the kingdom of God, the other group for what? For judgment. So never mind now the time difference. Now let us look at the message. However, when he sees the group that is resurrected for the eternal kingdom of God. This is what he sees. He sees two subgroups. The subgroup that goes up is divided into two now. Now he sees those who are wise. He sees them shining like the brightness of the heavens. And then he sees those who are the teachers of righteousness. Shining like the brightness of of the stars, meaning much more, and he says, forever and ever. That is where the message is for the church. Hallelujah. If there are pastors here that know from the bottom of their hearts that they just want to be right with the Lord, this is the moment to lift up your heads and repeat after me very, very loud. Repeat very, very loud, precious people. Say, precious Jesus. I have heard your word. I have heard about the coming of the Messiah. I have heard about the power of righteousness. Tonight, I come before you and repent of all sin and ask you, Lord, to establish righteousness 
in my life. Lord, bring fire of the Holy Ghost to establish righteousness in my family. Lord, bring righteousness in my ministry. Give me power of righteousness. I turn away from apostasy and choose righteousness in the mighty name of Jesus. Today, I am born again. The Lord bless you. Shalom, shalom. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.